Hey, welcome back to the Lift, Laugh, Love podcast, everyone. I'm honored to be joined by Jade Bianca, matchmaker and coach. How are you today? Hi, Dave. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, thanks for joining me. I'm doing really well. Uh, where in the world are you calling me from? Washington, D.C. And we originally got connected on Instagram, friends of friends, and then um, I see you present on TikTok as well. So uh, you're always putting yourself out there and uh, your niche is dating after divorce. How did you come about being so passionate about that? Yeah, well, I'm divorced myself. Um, and so I wanted to work with people in different ways. And I started dating after divorce right as the pandemic uh, started. <laughs> so I just reached my, my two year anniversary, but I actually started off Dave as a dating coach exclusively for divorced men, because I felt like there was a lot of well, there was a lack of support uh, for men who hadn't been single in a decade or two. And so I quickly started working with women and then they were like, okay, well, what about dating now? Now that I'm starting to heal, like I need to, to meet some amazing women. And so I started matchmaking as well. So I'm the first and only matchmaker uh, to work with exclusively with divorced men and women. So I'm very proud and, and happy to do what I do. Well, I fit right into your niche as a divorced father, uh, getting back out there. You know, I've had a few relationships since my divorce. Mm -hmm. uh, we were chatting a minute ago about, man, it's been 16 years since my divorce. And here we are aging gracefully into our 40s. So um, what are com some commonalities? What what shows up in your, in your community? Yeah, so I... When I first speak with someone, I ask kind of where they are in that dating after divorce journey. As you're divorced 16 years ago, you understand that you can't just jump right into another relationship or I don't know what's the term train wreck might happen. Um, so it kind of just depends on each person. I think each divorce is unique. I think each relationship is unique. So I think when I speak to someone, I make sure they're being honest about how they're feeling. And just because they're feeling like like they're itching to get back into the dating scene right now does not mean when they go out on that first date they're going to feel that way and I think being honest and, and open with yourself about allowing um allowing yourself to pivot and take a step back and say okay I haven't healed in the way that I thought I had maybe I need to reevaluate so uh, I help people every way from coaching uh to running their dating profile for them to traditional matchmaking. And I don't know if you've ever spoken to a matchmaker before, Dave, have you? A couple, you yes, yeah. Okay, <laughs> well, before I started uh, date coaching, I honestly didn't think that matchmaking was like a thing that people needed, but the online dating atmosphere is just so, I don't wanna say toxic, but it can be pretty frustrating, right? Like it can, it can make you feel small and it can make you feel like everyone's very superficial. And so, there's amazing components of matchmaking that kind of get to that deep core level. You're asking those compatibility questions right away as compared to when you're traditionally dating and you don't really touch on those things that uh, are kind of taboo subjects until like what date six, maybe right. month five. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just try and make dating fun again as much as I can. Yeah, I can relate so much to what you're saying. And I've interviewed some matchmakers on the podcast before, and that's the conversation that that kind of gets the ball rolling. And I do appreciate the in-depth questions and the qualifying. I think really that's what you're describing is we're qualifying two people to see if they are a match, whether it's on values or on lifestyle choice, because 
Mm-hmm. Well, a matchmaker is going to qualify that value and their lifestyle choices long before you even see a picture or kind of get that subconscious ball rolling of like, wow, I'm really attracted to this person. Right. A whole lot of that thought process that's taken out of the equation. Absolutely. And I think that's a great point um, for a circumstance. So that's one of those things too, that's obviously one of the first questions that I'm asking. And it's just really interesting because there's so many different human beings and that's what makes the world amazing. But it's also like, I'm interviewing and meeting these men that are like in their late forties and they're like, ah, I might be open to having a kid. And I'm like, this is something you need to think about before you even meet somebody in my opinion and, and doing this for years, because Uh, I don't know if you've experienced this, Dave, but when you meet somebody and you haven't set those strong boundaries and what you want this next chapter to look like, you're going to make exceptions and like you're leading with those rose colored glasses and you're like, oh, it's, it's not a deal breaker for me. Maybe I'm okay with having a kid. And then two years in, you're like, holy crap. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) Yes, I, I, I do see that. And I do experience that in my dating life. And understanding and getting clear about what I want the next chapter of my life to look like has been so beneficial. It saves me time and it saves me heartache. I didn't block that for somebody else because I knew what I wanted going into the next chapter of my life. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I think that's most of my clients range between 30 and 50. Um, But what I love about working with divorcees is because they are certain of who they are and they don't need to, to like kind of mask that to be someone else. And I think if you can go through something so difficult as a really bad breakup or a divorce and you have that capacity to love even more than before, right? Because you've learned about yourself and maybe your darkest times. And so that's what's pretty amazing about divorcees in my opinion. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree that people who have gone through a divorce are like, well, I never want to do that again. That's That's certainly my viewpoint of like, the next time that I choose to go down that, that choice of getting married, I don't want it to end in the same way that the, my first marriage did. And you were speaking earlier to those rose colored glasses of like, I might bend a little bit of my boundaries, you know, if I let my relational programming come into play or my subconscious come into play. And that's what I heard you describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, Dave, I, I get the question a lot, like, what does success look like when it comes to matchmaking or date coaching? And to be honest, it's different for everyone. I've, I work with people that their end goal is not to get remarried because maybe trauma and, and stuff in their past, but they do want to find like happy and healthy relationships that are fulfilling So it really looks different for everybody. And I do understand hesitations of getting remarried. (laughs) We all, we all have been through difficult things and you're like, do I really want to do this again? Yeah. Yeah. I hear that completely. You were talking earlier about like a two-year anniversary and timelines for people to get back out there after a relationship. So what was that two-year anniversary that you were alluding to at the beginning of the pandemic? And let's talk about the timeline after a divorce of what's what's appropriate to get back out there. Yeah. So I actually started um, my company dating after divorce right when the pandemic started. So I had no idea um, such an interesting time in our lives would be happening as none of us did. Um, But yeah, I I try and help people in in different facets that weren't there before. I went through a really difficult time after my divorce myself. Um, 
a lot of the mistakes that I made help uh, coach my clients and not make that mistakes. Um, vulnerability as well. And when it comes to like authentic dating, the idea of being vulnerable, especially if you've gone through a difficult divorce and had your heart ripped out, <laughs> mm. the idea of being vulnerable with another human being is like, I don't know, scratching nails on a chalkboard for most people. But you won't actually have a fulfilling relationship where someone sees you for who you are unless you're being vulnerable, in my, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, these are all things that, that I try and help people uh, do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you were talking about the two-year anniversary of your business being created. Got it, mm -hmm. I'm clear there. And you're also talking about vulnerability being scary after you've gone through something painful like a divorce. Mm -hmm. I can completely relate. I think that through the, through the journey and process of counseling and interviewing people on the podcast, I came across this feeling of like, wow, it took me 14 years after my divorce to truly be open and available. And that was a hard thing to see in myself. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's wonderful. And I think everyone should go to therapy. I think a silver lining from, from the pandemic is that we, as a society, have made it more, uh, we've normalized it more to talk about mental health and the need to, to speak to somebody. Um, and I think that, whether it's with someone who's divorced or just in general and dating is so important. I love that like now people are like, oh, well, I go to therapy and it's like a turn on for someone. I think it's an amazing thing um, just to be able to talk about more, uh, I guess, things that would be considered taboo before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely one of the silver linings of the pandemic and sheltering in place here in Colorado. It was, it was certainly talked about in my community of like, wow, every counselor or therapist that I interviewed on the podcast is completely booked. And that is a beautiful thing at this time. And let's jump back to that timeline. There is, in my opinion, there's not one finite, one definitive timeline after a divorce for people to get back out there. What do you see showing up for your clients? Yeah. So I, I can't work with someone for matchmaking or dating profile management until their divorce is finalized, but I do work with people in coaching and, and helping prepare them. Cause as I mentioned before, a lot of my clients have been in decade, two decade long marriages. And so if you haven't dated since you were in your early twenties, you would get back out there in the dating app and you're like, excuse my French, what the hell is going on? Uh, you can be a little bit more frank than that. What the fuck is going on here, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Do people listen to this with their kids in the background? We'll see. We'll find out <laughs> in the comments. Um, but yeah, as, as to your question for timeline, it really looks different for everyone, Dave. And I don't ever like to say like a one size fits all thing. But usually if I'm having a consultation with someone and I can hear, you can hear after years of doing this, those little things like, well, maybe it's time to see a therapist. And that's one of those things that I always say, I'm not qualified to, to give uh, professional mental health advice. And I think coming out of a divorce, I don't care how, how stable you feel, how great things are going besides your divorce, you need that, that mm. output. Mm. Um, because I think that there are certain things that we can't see and that our friends and family 
aren't willing or aren't able to tell us that would, would help us. Um, so it kind of just depends. I think that there are plenty of marriages that have ended before that, that final ink is on the paper, um, whether it's sexless marriages or loveless marriages in other ways. Um, I think as long as you're being honest with yourself, as I mentioned before, and able to like take a step back and say, all right, am I able to have casual sex and not get attached? Because there are plenty of men and women who can't. And mm -hmm. if there are people that their first thought out of getting out of a loveless marriage, whether it's intimacy or emotional connection is I just want to feel wanted. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's for men and women. Um, that being said, you need to be honest with yourself that after that first initial hookup, how are you going to feel? How is it affecting you um, going into this next chapter? Is it affecting um, your relationships with your family? You obviously don't want your kids to be introduced to many different boyfriends and girlfriends because mm -hmm. children of divorce have already gone through a, a large amount of instability. Um, so there's a lot of different factors to, to think about. And a, a statement I get from people a lot is like, Jade, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm, I haven't been single in so long. I don't know how to date with young kids. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. how do I make the time to date? I, I don't know. Are you a father, Dave? Yes, I have a 19 year old daughter. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, and so I think time is a is a difficult thing as well. Um, being a full time or shared custody parent, working full time, and then dating. <laughs> mm -hmm. When do you have time for that? You know. Yeah. When when do you make time for that? I think as I was going live on TikTok the other day, somebody, somebody asked me, isn't every other weekend date appropriate? And that question in and of itself, is, it's not easy to answer because we need to know so much more about that. Okay, well, is that your kid's schedule? Is that your parenting schedule? And if so, you, you only have every other weekend available, then I think it's completely appropriate to date once every other week initially. And then you build this foundation of um, shared values and common interests and compatibility. I love that you chose that word earlier instead of chemistry. Wait, chemistry, sorry, keep going. <laughs> yes. Well, chem chemistry might just be like an attachment showing up. Uh, you alluded to that with, um, can you have casual sex without an attachment being formed? And some people can and some people can't. Uh, once you spend every other weekend, one night a week, you know, you date somebody that with that frequency, I think that you can, you can form a, a foundation and a relationship with that kind of um, time. You're making time for dating as a single parent. Absolutely. And I think one thing we don't think about uh, just jumping into the dating scene, Dave, after divorce is if you've been in a long-term marriage or a long-term relationship, there are pieces of you that you've kind of lost for the sake of, of the family or the sake of the couple, right? Um, and so if you regain that independence and you enjoy that and you thrive in that, how are you going to make sure that you find a companion that also respects that and has and wants the same level of independence? Um, I'm not sure if I'm explaining that uh, clearly, but a lot of people in their 40s and 50s, if, they're, if they have teenagers, might not want to date someone who has a young toddler because they're at a different stage in their life. Um, so their ideas of what they want their weekends to look like are very different. Do our lives, are they compatible? Are those common interests that we like to do on a weekend? 
I remember how packed my schedule was when I didn't have my daughter. And then having that independence in my own life and then bringing somebody else into that as a partner, I could definitely see how that would be challenging and, and it would be a struggle to build that foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I recently saw on social media that you got married, remarried uh, last October. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Uh, I think it's what, four, five months now? Our <laughs> during the pandemic, we're, our most of our relationship has been during a pandemic. And so it's definitely been um, an amazing experience. But getting married during a pandemic was uh, <laughs> interesting in itself. But right. uh, my husband is also a, a divorced man. And I think that's really helped our relationship since the beginning, because we are very open and honest and transparent about the good and the bad things. Um, and so it like makes me kind of teary eyed when I mm. talk about it, because mm -hmm. I didn't expect um, after my divorce, it was very difficult for me to trust again. And so meeting somebody that um, you were able to like kind of take down your walls and allowing yourself to be vulnerable kind mm -hmm. of uh, ended up very well for me. Definitely yeah. some, some frogs were in between them. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. Are those tears of gratitude? Yeah, they are. I feel kind of silly about it, but you know, love mm -hmm. is love. <laughs> no, emotions are, are such powerful tools when we, when we tune into them. Um, tears are not always for me about sadness. Like you, sometimes I do have tears of gratitude for where I was at my lowest or where I was not feeling my best. And then now living, living a lifestyle that I truly enjoy. I, I do sh I do shed some tears of gratitude occasionally. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I think that I think that part of the processing of a divorce and then out there meeting frogs will bring <laughs> some other types of tears too. You know, oh, Emotion yeah. <laughs> <laughs> emotions are just messengers for us. Yeah. And I think what's interesting too, Dave, about being in this profession and seeing it, because I don't know. Do you mostly work with women um, for coaching or is it a mixture of men and women? I work with both, but who gravitates to me is mostly women. Yeah. So what's interesting about like my viewpoint in between is because I hear the women complaining about, we're speaking in heterosexual terms right now, but the women complaining about like men do this and they make dating impossible. And I speak to my men and they're like, women do this and they make dating impossible. So it's definitely interesting to see both sides of it because we're all, there's all things that we can improve. Um, I don't think you need to change for anybody, but I think that there's always room for improvement and growth in our lives. Yeah, certainly it, it sounds like the walls are up when it comes to um, the two genders um, competing against each other in the dating world right now. And yeah, you were speaking in heterosexual terms, but I think that the masculine and feminine energy dynamics are so important to be conscious of when it comes to modern dating. Uh, let's talk about the dating apps and how that kind of muddles, muddies the waters a little bit when it comes to modern dating. What have you seen for your clients? Yeah. So um, whether it's speaking to clients that I'm coaching or, or matchmaking, or if I'm running a profile for, for a client, um, it's harder to not feel kind of discouraged at times because there's never been in the history of dating so many ways of meeting somebody, even during a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. You can do different hobbies, you can do different online forums, you can do different dating apps, you name it. 
But that being said, there's a lot more people that you're not going to connect with. And I mean, not everyone's for you and that's the way it is and they, nor should they be. But as we mentioned before, as, as adults and many times like solo parents, you only have so much time and, and emotional and mental capacity to deal with things. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's easy to get frustrated when people are on different stages of their life or just on a different planet sometimes <laughs> and the things that they say to you. Um, yeah. So I think if you allow yourself to, to take a break, if you need to, um, that's important. And I think that if you keep running into the to same issues on dating, it might be good to, to speak to someone, whether it's a therapist or a friend that's able to give unbiased opinions and say, is there something in my dating profile that might be inviting these people? I'm yes. not blaming anybody, but there's certain things like, um, if you're only having photos of you partying and, or like, I don't know, semi-naked on a beach and then you're like, I'm only getting this certain type of person. Mm -hmm. We need to kind of take a step back and reevaluate what we're, what we're putting out there and expecting in return. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Social media is uh, like you said, one great way to meet people, whether it be platonically, professionally, or romantically. And then when we do see those patterns show up on a dating app of like, I am only attracting X, Y, and Z, or maybe even just X, uh, like specifically unavoid unavailable partners. Okay. It can be, uh, dating apps can be a mirror for ourselves of like, this is what reflection I'm getting back in this, in this phase of dating. And when I see those reflections show up, I take a break. I have to discipline myself in order to uh, set that boundary for myself and say, okay, where do I need to work on so that I'm not, I'm no longer attracting this type of person. So what that looks like for me is possibly even deleting the entire account, starting over two to three weeks later with a fresh mindset and a, a new approach to how I create my profile. And did I hear in you in there that you are doing profile management for people? Are, are you swiping for people? Yeah, so um, one of the services I offer is a dating profile management. Um, so basically, as we mentioned before, I'm not sure if I talked about timelines, but the average user on a dating app spends between 10, 15 hours a week. Um, so instead of my client doing that, I run the dating profile for them uh, through like multiple meetings and different questionnaires because in my opinion, and Dave, you're welcome to, to disagree with me. When you're first kind of meeting somebody on a dating app, you're kind of having just those general conversations to say, would I feel comfortable meeting them in person? Or do we have enough compatibility, at least surface level, uh, to meet in person? And so ideally, that's what I'm trying to do for my clients is, is bring out the, the top people that I've matched with and talked to in, in their voice as much as possible. Um, and then from there, they ask them out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, what, I, what I hear you doing is you're, you're almost matchmaking for your clients through a dating app. Yeah, I used to call it DIY matchmaking, but as you know, like certain terms, I'm like, I don't know, does anyone want a DIY matchmaking? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, essentially that's what I'm doing. And it, and it can be for different people. It can be with, as I mentioned, people that have never been on a dating app before. And so they really don't know what they're doing or just people that haven't had a lot of luck in dating, whether that's men or women. Um, 
but I, I love being able to help assist and honestly spot the scammers reporting the scammers mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah at the end of the day it's just trying to have an easier way to facilitate introductions that um help divorce men and women right yeah that makes a lot of sense to me and an additional benefit that I see that might not be on the surface right away is that you're taking those rose-colored glasses off of your clients and you're taking their subconscious and their relational programming out of the out of the process of dating online, which which then kind of is a little bit more of an objective way to approach those patterns that show up. Like it sounds like you have this questionnaire that you interview your clients ahead of time, and you're like, oh, I, I think I know exactly what they're looking for. And I'm only going to look for that when I match with people. Is that what I'm hearing you describe? Yes and no. I mean, yes to the first part. To the last part, one big part about working with divorcees that I cannot stress enough is I need you to start to date outside of your type. Mm. Um, as I mentioned before, most of the time people hadn't been single for a decade or longer. And I feel like if you're only, I'll, I'll use a previous uh, client, for example, if you're only going for, for preppy blondes who wear, what is that? I don't know what that pink stuff. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a preppy brand, uh, Lord, not and Croft and Locke. Okay. Okay. Give me a brand Dave. <laughs> well, in, in my high school dating <laughs> days, I would have been attracted to like Abercrombie and Fitch. Like, you know, my, my type was, I, t- I totally get what you're saying about dating outside of your type because uh, I have a soft spot for the underdog, like somebody who uh, can't stand up for themselves, right? And so the pattern that I saw showing up in my life was single moms single moms, single moms. I had a very big soft spot for single moms. And so when you, when you say start dating outside of your type, I needed to go outside of like all of that protector mode, like savior mode that I was in to actually have a healthy relationship. So I didn't bring that pattern and that programming with me into the future. I love that. I don't know if you do the video recordings, but my eyebrows definitely went up, but that's a huge, like self-identifying thing. So great job on that. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, a lot of us don't see that until we're like, wait, all the people I've dated after my divorce are like this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think everyone just owes it to themselves to see what there's wonderful, weird, wacky people in the world and they can be great. And I think that allowing yourself to date different types of people. Um, I'm not saying sleep with different types of people. Mm. Do you, as long as you're safe, I don't care. (laughs) But um, trying to see what else is out there is really important in this next chapter. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, And by doing this process, by understanding who I am at my core and what I truly do want and believe is the best um, for the next chapter in my life, it's bringing into my life potential partners, potential dates that don't want kids. Because I'm being very clear up front before even going out on a first date of like, this is where I stand on this one um, very important piece of a relationship. Yeah. And that's what kind of alarms me, Dave, when I'm either swiping for someone or if I'm matchmaking and there are plenty of people who are like, "Um, I'm undecided about kids. I could take them or leave them. And if I'm meeting with someone in their late thirties or early forties, and you're telling me, take them or leave them. Are you indecisive about everything in your life? Isn't this Mm -hmm. something that you kind of like have had time to think about? 
Um, so that's one of those things that, that I try and get a, a pretty solid answer for. Right. Yes. It's a, it's a very big topic of conversation when it comes to a relationship and having that compatibility long-term. Mm-hmm. If I was just out there looking for casual dating, well, then I would be more open to what other people are looking for, but that's not where I'm at in my life right now. So, you know, I, I've never really enjoyed Tinder as an app, but Bumble and Hinge are probably the two that I've most frequently used in the last four years since I discovered what uh, online dating was. I had to hear it from like a, a date one day. She's like, oh, I just went on this date from Tinder with a guy with salt and pepper hair. I'm like, what's Tinder? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I never even want to consider dating online until I heard from it. Um, so there's a major difference when we're talking about having kids when it comes to Bumble and, and Hinge, right? Bumble has this selection where it's like have and don't want more. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hinge doesn't have that classification or that narrowing down. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm running a Hinge profile right now. I just and did it right before we got on our recording I can't think of it I feel I mean I definitely know it asks for for um sexual orientation Mm. uh vaccination status sure uh, um if you do drugs alcohol and other things on hinge it's like two different categories like they ask do you have kids okay so I select yes I have kids and then the next prompt is like open to kids don't want more kids or want more kids. And that's a newer feature on Hinge. And getting back out there after that last relationship brought a new, okay, well, the app is getting a little bit more mindful. But in my past, it wasn't that specific. And it, it kept bringing up that conversation in, right. in the conversations on apps or in the conversations after matching on the app. It was like, Dave, I feel like you weren't that upfront about not wanting kids in the future. And to our detriment, the app doesn't care. I mean, they don't really care about matching people on compatibility as much right. as, as much as our human nature craves that and right. acknowledges that. So the apps are just working in their best interests. Okay. How can we build revenue? Keeping people on the apps longer. Right. If you were asking all of these questions, like you, well, who would you be matching with? Maybe three people in a 20 mile radius. And that doesn't, that doesn't bode well for anyone. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, this might be some, uh, a controversial opinion, Dave, but I've heard other people that uh, work in the, the relationship space saying that they don't think that you need to disclose about your kids until you meet in person. I could not disagree with that more. Uh, the parents that I work with are proud parents, and I don't think there's anything that needs to be hidden. Um, I, I think that an important part of your life as a parent is, is being a parent. And so throw a photo of your kid with a little emoji or blur over their face um, and, and roll with it. And if someone doesn't want to date a single parent, that's their loss, but it's also their choice. Um, so I think if you can weed out those people Um, the sooner the better, right? Mm -hmm. I think safety is something that's really important. Um, Unfortunately, I see men do this more than women, but say that you're a proud father, proud mother, so you want to put your kid's photo out there. Fantastic. But the problem is the internet's a weird place. You don't Mm -hmm. know who's seeing the photos on the other end of that screen, and you need to make sure that you're protecting your children. So um, 
you need to blur out their photos. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's that's a really good point about being present online in a safe way. Like, how can we uh, how can we protect a certain amount of our privacy, but also be transparent in the things that do matter? And I, I do agree that uh, that disclosing your um, your family system is very important early on. So in full disclosure, I'm a proud dad. I love my daughter. I'm going to keep her safe when I'm living publicly. <laughs> I do share her on Instagram because uh, she's just a bright spot, a bright light in my life. And I don't, wanna, I don't want to not share that because she is such a big influence in my life. And there is certain things that are private when I approach online dating. What comes up for you as I share that? Well, actually, when you first started saying that, I was thinking about a lot of women putting all their deal breakers in their bio and saying like, uh, no dads, uh, no hookups, no blah, 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 blah. And yeah. they think that they're saving their time and energy when actually they're just coming off as negative. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I think if you're having those conversations when you're first messaging someone, I think that's exactly what you should be doing. If they're not asking you, how should you know that you need to write a paragraph of, actually, my daughter's 16. I'm not planning on having children after that. I'd like to uh, be financially secure and travel independently around the world and, and work yeah. remotely. Yeah. I mean, if you did that, you're going to come off as, as kind of a little Looney Tunes, right? So how are you supposed to know to predict this woman's uh, yeah, needs, lifestyle? Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's such a brilliant point. And the the overshare on a dating app, like you said, could come across as very negative. And then the second example that you shared almost makes this person unavailable to me is like, well, I don't want 50% of those, but where's the compromise? Okay. Well, if I can't get to the point in the online business where I can travel the world, well, then I'm not qualified. And then it, that's me coming from a self-aware place. But if there's an immature masculine person who I used to be, so I can speak to this moment of like, oh, I read that profile of like, no dads. Um, these are my deal breakers, um, must have facial hair, stuff like that. I almost see that as like a challenge of like, oh, I'm going to prove to that person that I'm good enough, even though I don't fit what they want. You know, and that's an immature place to come from. And it's that's an interesting just, point, though. Yeah. I've never thought of that, Dave, because I actually I tell clients whether I'm running their dating profile or not, that they're giving off an air of negativity and kind of um, perpetually unsatisfied. But yeah, that's an interesting point. I've never heard that. No, that, that's actually uh, I appreciate that that phrasing of perpetually unsatisfied. Well, if I have a core wound of not feeling good enough and I see somebody who's never satisfied, well, this gives me a perfect subconscious and rose-colored glasses opportunity to prove myself my own self-worth and I'm going to go after it. And this is the immature masculine showing up from my past. Those are, those are core wounds that I had to take a look at as a reflection from a simple dating app. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that we... As, I, as we talked about before, there's never been more ways of meeting somebody. But that being said, everyone is coming to that platform with previous, I don't want to say wounds and trauma, but we've all, we're not blank slates, right? 
And most of us aren't taking time to evaluate previous experiences, uh, but we are projecting our, our previous <laughs> issues on, on these new unsuspecting people that we're matching with. Like that woman might be a single mom, but she could be completely different than that single mom that you just ended a relationship with. But if you don't take the time to fix kind of previous mm -hmm. issues, mm -hmm. you're going to project that on that new mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the phrase that comes to mind is don't bleed on people who didn't cut you. Mm. And I take that I take that with me. I don't internalize it, but I take it with me as a as a way to stay conscious and self-aware of how I'm projecting onto other people and what I'm projecting onto other people. And simply going through the dating experience post-divorce is a is one way to find out a lot about ourselves. And when we are getting frustrated and when we are running into repeated patterns and we are self-aware, that gives us an opportunity to pause and look inward and sit with that shit because it's going to come up for us and it's going to hold mm -hmm. us back from what we actually want, which is connection which is intimacy, even though we're a little bit afraid of it, you know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, intimacy is very confronting because it's mm -hmm. going to ask you to take a look inward every day. Yeah. Um, I do know that most of your listener base, I think is, is female Dave. And if there's two tips that I can give them on their dating app. Yeah, so let's hear okay. it. I, I'm uh, definitely <laughs> open. I'm, I'm open to all the tools that are available to us. Out there. So there's self-limiting behavior that I see a lot on dating apps specifically. Um, and so one thing that I see people doing is really limiting their, their narrow window of, of age uh, appropriateness. Um, say that I'm 35 and I'm like, I set on my dating app that I'm open to men that are 34 to 37 because... That's just what I think is, is what I need to do. And the way that I phrase it when I talk to people is if you were at a bar or at a social event and you clicked with this person and they were four years outside of your age range, would that matter? Mm. No, it wouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. So why are you limiting these people that you could be potentially meeting by a few years? So I always suggest bumping it out a few years younger, a few years older, because there are amazing people that we're not able to meet because we're trying to order our partner off Uber Eats mm. <laughs> and then we're not happy with, with the results. Um, and that being said, depending on where you are in the country and what your traffic's like, um, I also suggest bumping out the uh, distance by at least 10 miles or more. Yeah, to what maximum distance would you put a range? That's a great question. And I think it really depends on where you are in your life. Um, a lot of people have the ability to work from home these days. If you have shared custody, that depends. Um, if you are open and flexible to seeing new cities um, or if you're not. So if you are lucky enough to have that flexibility, why not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> why not try something new? Why mm -hmm. not book an Airbnb in a different city for a month if you're willing? But you do need to know that if a long distance relationship is potentially happening after a while you need to have the conversation about who's moving where yeah. um because i think unless there's kind of like an end game it it kind of feels like it's in limbo if it's a mm -hmm. long distance relationship mm -hmm. from my previous experience in working with people <laughs> yeah i hear that completely i talk about long distance relationships a lot both here on the podcast and on tiktok um as my 
love languages are physical touch and quality time, those two needs aren't getting met in a long distance relationship mm -hmm. as frequently as I would like them to be. And that's something that I communicate up front. Um, and another friend of mine, really great therapist from California recommends that like somebody who's an available and looking for a relationship would actually be open to starting a long distance relationship with that clear end point in mind. And as part of the conversation, as you get to know each other, like being open to something outside of your age range, outside of your immediate radius of 20 to 30 miles, and then mm -hmm. open up to possibilities outside of your hometown. I hear that yeah, as a absolutely. great recommendation. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting just thinking about some of the questions that I asked for matchmaking. It's like, what city are you, are you uh, located in? Are you willing to relocate? Some people are, some people aren't. I um, am from DC, Virginia area, and I wanted to get out of here. So I lived abroad for years. I lived in different states for years. Then I came back and I'm like, eh, I like to see my mom. <laughs> so <laughs> sure. I wouldn't be crazy about moving uh, halfway across the world again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, out of all of your experience and uh, own personal experience, what would you leave our listeners with today? What's one big, well, one big truth bomb that you would uh, want us to know? <laughs> um, if you don't like yourself, how can you expect someone else to? Mm. You need to um, to be proud of the progress that you've made. You need to to love yourself. You need to go easier on yourself. Um, there's always ways to improve our physical fitness, our, our intellect, or anything that you can, but you need to be sure that you're confident and happy with yourself. And that doesn't change overnight. So you need mm -hmm. to take baby steps to, to feeling better about yourself. And that way you'll, you'll start attracting the people that you want to attract. So I know mm -hmm. it sounds harsh at first, but there's only love there. <laughs> Sometimes we need uh, tough love in order to move ourselves forward. And mm -hmm. I hear a lot of that thank you very much for that advice. And I hear a lot about the timeline in there of like, there is no specific timeline of, or expectation of how quickly we are going to heal and begin to have that confidence in ourselves again. And that self-love that we once had, we might've lost it in a relationship and it's something that we want to find again. Absolutely. And you don't have to be 100% healed to, to date Dave. And, and here's the thing that I hear people saying, and it's been like five years since the divorce and they haven't gone on a date. Here's the thing. Do you make your own choices? But if you're waiting to be 100% healed, you're not going to date. And you deserve, you deserve that love and you deserve to be seen for the beautiful person that you are. But you have to make baby steps to allow people in first. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. I have a free resource that your listeners are, are welcome to check out. It's a uh, reflection journal for people who have gone through divorce or a bad breakup. And it basically talks about things from accountability to boundaries and relationships, taking a step back about what you want this next chapter to look like, um, vulnerability as well. And when it comes to like authentic dating, the idea of being vulnerable, especially if you've gone through a difficult divorce and had your heart ripped out, <laughs> mm -hmm. the idea of being vulnerable with another human being is like, I don't know, scratching nails on a chalkboard for most people. Thank you so very much for joining me, Jade. Uh, if yeah. people want to get a hold of you and they want to learn more about you, what's a good place for them to do that? Yeah, my website's datingafterdivorce.com. 
Uh, there's a free reflection journal there and there's advice specifically for divorcees. Um, I'm fairly active on Instagram at dating after DIV and TikTok. Sometimes I'm funny, sometimes I'm helpful. So <laughs> uh, there's, you, there's nothing more relatable than that when it comes to TikTok. Yes. Who knew I would be on TikTok? I, I always thought it was dancing teenagers, but it's so much fun. Yeah, there are <laughs> there are a lot of people over 40 on TikTok. Yeah, it's my people. And I think what's beautiful that you've probably experienced, Dave, is it's just like the authentic raw versions of things as compared to other uh, platforms. Yeah, totally. I, there's no way that TikTok would allow me to be inauthentic. And uh, the people that really have been gravitating to me would not would not see that as authenticity if I was showing up in any other way. Yes. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Jade. It was a pleasure to chat with you and, and let's stay in contact and see where each other's at in, in the near future and we can have another conversation. I love it. Thank you so much, Dave. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you.